0: Hey, stay tuned, listeners. As many of you know, we started Cafe Insider a few months ago, which includes my weekly podcast, where Ann Milgram joins me each week to break down the latest news. Today, we're bringing you a portion of our conversation. As usual, we had an avalanche of news to sort through the New York Times report about an FBI counterintelligence investigation into Trump and Russia, the Washington Post story on Trump concealing his conversations with Putin, Bill Barr's upcoming confirmation hearing. Muller's Report on Whether the President Can Assert Executive Privilege, Michael Co- so many things. I can't even talk about them uh, and list them all here. Here's a portion of the conversation. To get the entire episode and get all the other benefits of becoming a member, go to cafe.com slash insider to sign up. From Cafe, welcome to Cafe Insider. I'm Preet Bharara.
1: And I'm Ann Milgram. How are you, Ann? I'm good. How are you doing? How, how was your weekend? That was great. A little cold, but um, Terrific.
0: Mine was very sad. Uh, began with a memorial service that I attended for someone who I had hired at the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, but there was a lot of outpouring of support for the family, so it was it was a warm event and very yeah. sad. But yeah. a lot of a lot of great people there. I mean, I think there were there were a thousand people there. Um, the other thing I did was I spent more time in front of a microphone and recorded the first half of my forthcoming book. Wow! Doing justice.
1: It only took 10 hours to record the first half of yeah, your... Yeah, I talk really, really fast. Wow. No, no, I, I speak. <laughs> I speak <laughs> it's a pretty they, long book. I love then it. And they slow it down. <laughs> okay.
0: And they put it into a baritone. Okay. So it'll be more saleable. So,
1: wh- so what does that sound like?
0: It sounds Hello. great. <laughs> it sounds great. I don't know. They tell me it sounds I'm okay. I'm pre We're going to finish next weekend. But so we have, we have a million things as usual.
1: Yeah. Let's jump in.
0: To talk about. So we have, among other things, this New York Times article that's getting a lot of attention about how Donald Trump caused the FBI to decide to open up a counterintelligence investigation because they thought he might be working for the Russians. There's a Washington Post article because there's a fierce competition between those two newspapers <laughs> to outscoop each other, right? Yeah,
1: I'm arguing that uh, the president would not allow the interpreter who was present during conversations with Putin to talk to other um, people in the executive branch and also required that the interpreter destroy notes. And so no one has any idea what was said during those five meetings, conversations with Putin during the last two years.
0: Then we have the reporting that the presidential lawyer team is going to try to assert executive privilege to prevent various aspects of an eventual Mueller report from becoming public. We haven't even talked yet about the fact that the next attorney general of the United States nominee is up for hearings tomorrow and the next day, Tuesday and Wednesday. Then we have Michael Cohen coming to testify before the House Government Oversight Committee on February 7th. Rod Rosenstein is leaving. Okay, so... It's a, a lot. <laughs> We'll be here for the next we, day. We'll be here all week. What do you want to talk about first?
1: We have to spend a lot of time on the New York Times article, I think, in the counterintelligence piece. Should we Should we start there? Sure. So can you explain to me and I, I think to our listeners the difference between a criminal investigation and a, a counterintelligence investigation just to, to start us off? And then I, I have a lot more questions Yeah, about this. well,
0: there are a lot of differences. But in some ways, fundamentally, for purposes of this, people have to understand that you open up a criminal investigation – when you believe or have cause to believe that there has been a violation of a particular criminal, you know, federal criminal statute. So just because you think someone has done something uh, that's unfortunate uh, or yucky, that's not enough. You have to be able to think of a statute, you know, before you issue a subpoena to anyone in connection with a criminal investigation, as you know, you have to actually put a statute number in the subpoena document, whether it goes to a bank or it goes to a phone company, for records, or anything else. With respect to a counterintelligence investigation, um, it's a little bit more murky, and it's a little bit more broad and amorphous because the, the counterintelligence officials in the country, whether they're at the FBI or the CIA or any one of the other intelligence agencies, have a broader mandate to make sure that they understand the national security interests and whether or not those national security interests are being undermined in pretty much any way you, you might imagine. And so, in some ways, the threshold for opening something like that is less specific, although it can be more far-reaching.
1: And if you have a counterintelligence investigation, is there more that you can do under that than you could do under a criminal investigation? I think
0: you, you are you are less impeded by various authorities than if you have a traditional standard, soon to be governed by a court, overseen by a court, and defended by. Adversarial process by a defense lawyer, so it's different in that way too.
1: So, if we, if we look at this timeline, and and again, the New York Times article basically says that the FBI was so concerned about what was happening after Comey was fired in May of 2017 that they opened up a counterintelligence investigation. That's essentially the reporting. the The timeline, and and I just want to sort of talk through this a little bit. Is that the initial, the investigation, the initial, which was a counterintelligence investigation, I think, right? We would call that Rosenside's letter is done under counterintelligence. Yes, there was already a
0: counterintelligence investigation in place about Russia.
1: That starts in July 2016. That comes out of leads related to Papadopoulos having the conversation with the Australian um, diplomat talking about these hacked emails, p- potential access to Hillary Clinton's emails. So that investigation starts. Comey is fired um, in May of 2017. And after Comey is fired, that's when this additional counterintelligence investigation starts into the president. Reportedly. Reportedly, right. That's, That's a great point. But the initial investigation was a counterintelligence investigation focused on Russia and Russia's influence in the election and included the possibility, of course, of... You know, within that, you could have a criminal investigation of obstruction of justice of the president, for example, or, you know, any any sort of other piece. The question I was sort of asking is, did they really need to do that or did they already have a vehicle through this investigation? Because it's a pretty extraordinary step to open up a counterintelligence investigation to the president. And I assume they would have had to have, you know, significant predicates and written memos and all that. But they already had this existing investigation. So why not just use that existing vehicle?
0: I think you raise an excellent point, and not to sound like I'm uh, minimizing this, but I, I do have some skepticism about the reporting for the reasons you describe. It's also odd to me that if there was a specific decision to open up something that's concrete, discrete, and different from what was already in place, why that took this long to be known. I mean, you have Andy McCabe, who's been accused of leaking about a lot of things. I'm not sure that he has. You have all sorts of people who would have had a reason to talk about this, given how many other things have come out. It's also not clear from the New York Times article if it led anywhere, if it's still going on, if it was then absorbed into the first thing that you described
1: into the Mueller. Yeah, I, I think
0: yeah. It, it's just it, it's a sensational fact that there were people at the FBI who articulated, probably in some way, could it be that the president is working for Russia right. during that period of time? That was remember it was it was nuts. The the FBI director it was chaos. The FBI director had been fired. The president brings in has a visit with two Russian officials. Says to them directly, "Uh, "I got rid of that nut job, and it's taken some pressure off." He has that interview with Lester Holt on NBC, and all hell seems to be breaking loose. And in that time period, also, there's been reporting that Rod Rosenstein, I think around that time period, suggested he says and others say later, uh, you know, jokingly, suggested that maybe. They should think about invoking the twenty-fifth amendment, and they should think about recording the president surreptitiously
1: to show that he's unfit for office.
0: So I have no doubt that there were people at that time who articulated in some way this concern: is the is the president an asset of Russia? Right. I don't know.
1: Is he working for U.S. interests or for Russian interests? Yeah, but I yeah. don't
0: know. Like you, I mean, what do you think? I don't know that they literally opened up, you know, a separately documented counterintelligence investigation that had Donald Trump's name at the top?
1: Yeah. I I mean, this is the question I sort of have, because I think they already had this vehicle. They had a counterintelligence investigation into Russian's involvement in the election. They were looking at the president and the president's campaign, according to reporting, as to their involvement with Russia. And you know, th- what I think this is asking is why is the president and, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but why is the president doing this? Why is the president so pro-Russia? Russia's clearly a, an American adversary. And I think you're right. It probably just got to a boiling point after Comey is fired and he made these explicit statements. And so they were asking these questions. But it's not clear to me that they couldn't have operated under the existing investigation that they had. It sort of feels to me like that's what I would have instinctively done. And so and so. I'm wondering, and again, we don't know the inside. We have to right. say that. You know, we're reading this public reporting that is pretty vague and there are a lot of unanswered questions. Right. I
0: think it's also probably less conducive to leaking if you can conduct the same investigation under the auspices of that which was already in place. But here's another interesting aspect of this. If you open up a counterintelligence investigation specifically about the president and whether or not he's working for Russia, do you believe that the FBI would have had to notify uh, and give a heads up to the gang of eight. And the gang of eight, for those of you who don't know, are literally eight members of Congress. It's the majority leader and the minority leader in the Senate. It's the speaker and the majority leader in the House, and then the chair and ranking member of the two intelligence committees.
1: I think so. That's the normal course, that you open up a counterintelligence investigation and that you would you would brief the Gang of Eight on something like this. And now, that's a really interesting question that was not addressed at all in the in the New York Times reporting. But w- one other thing I think we should talk about is just a little bit of the writing on Lawfare, which is a, a very interesting sort of national security blog. And I don't want to say it's too wonky, but it's a little bit wonky, right? It's it's sort of a little bit of an inside baseball um, website. But it's excellent. That's I, a compliment, Ben is Yes, yes, it is a compliment. And Ben And Ben actually, who I really don't know personally... But he wrote a great piece about the New York Times reporting, and I think it's worth our talking about because yep. a lot of our listeners might not, and it was lengthy and pretty legalistic in parts. Again, that's a compliment to you, Ben. But like, let's just talk about that a yeah. little bit.
0: People have been drawing this distinction between the obstruction investigation and the collusion investigation. You know,
1: Meaning that the, there's an investigation into whether or not Russia influenced the election and the campaign colluded, and separately, the president engaging in obstruction of justice to stop to stop that investigation or to to sort of prevent people from cooperating with it and And seeing them as separate things.
0: And so he makes the point that they're actually more melded together. And it's possible that, as he put it, the obstruction is the collusion.
1: Right. That the president's actions obstructing was part of his work cooperating with Russia to thwart the United States, to to impact the election, and also to essentially be um, assisting the Russian government.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that.
1: It's a really interesting question. I would just ask you this, and I think a couple of other folks have done this. Can the President of the United States be investigated criminally for obstruction of justice for firing Comey when you know, the President has within his authority the ability to fire Comey? Um, Right. So the president can fire the director of the FBI. That's within his his lawful authority. The fact that he did that, you know, the fact that he has that authority, and we've heard Giuliani and others say this, that means that the president can't be investigated for obstruction. That seems completely wrong to me. But
0: yeah, look, I think it's a baseline view that it is true that when you have the authority to do something, you need something more to show that it violated some law. But as you and I both know, there are lots and lots of things. That people have the authority to do and depending on what other facts you can prove it could make the official otherwise lawful action illegal right so for example a politician votes on bills that's part of the authority of the politician elected official if the politician the elected official was paid a bribe to make that vote then it's unlawful um in the same way that you know the example we've given a lot is you know put aside the issue of obstruction but let's say the president decided to fire the director of the fbi or someone else for money, even though he had lawful authority to fire the FBI director, you committed a crime.
1: Yep. And you um, can be charged with that crime. Yes. I agree.
0: So there are other i mean, it's a little harder, on obstruction. But if you have a lot of evidence that the person was doing it and had the mental state of trying to stymie an investigation, then I think that's absolutely chargeable. There is some debate now about whether or not the FBI, if they did what the New York Times says they did, overreached. Now, my own view, his, I have no idea— because I'm a little skeptical of the reporting in the first place. And I don't know that they did what is being described, you know, opening up some separate counterintelligence investigation with all the bells and whistles.
1: I agree with you. And I also think it's hard for us to know without knowing what the evidence and information was that they were considering at the time. But I, I think this is a real question as to whether or not this was an appropriate action. And again, without knowing more and without knowing the accuracy of the reporting, it's hard for us to say. But, but it is very clear that, that this is a point of contention as to whether or not this was the right thing to do. Right. My biggest takeaway with the New York Times article is that it's incredibly interesting and, you know, it's unbelievable that we're having a conversation about the president of the United States being an asset of the Russian government, a U.S. adversary. But beyond that, it feels to me like there there are a lot of unanswered questions and a lot more that um, we should watch to see what we learn about.
0: I hope you enjoyed this clip from our full conversation. To listen to the full episode and get all the other benefits of becoming a member, go to Cafe.com slash insider to sign up. That's Cafe.com/slash insider. Simply Safe is the home security for right now. When feeling safe at home has never been more important. SimplySafe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7, starting at 50 cents a day. Order online easily. Open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. No technician has to come to your house. Head to simplysafecom slash Preet and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee.